Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. I worked hard to get myself educated. My mother worked hard and made many sacrifices to ensure my brother and I would receive a quality education. I worked even harder to pay that money back after college and med school. None of it was easy, but it played a large part in developing me into the man I am today. Hard work gets you much farther in life than a handout. Those wise words from a recent tweet by my guest this hour, who joins me now to talk about what many of us agree is the destructive and patently unfair effects of President Joe Biden's vote-buying scheme of student loan forgiveness. According to the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, it'll cost in total an estimated $605 billion just in dollar costs alone. Joining us to talk about it. Dr. Ben Carson, founder and chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute. I like the way they put it, a new think tank, do tank, co-founded by he and his wife, Candy. They also founded the Carson Scholarship Fund that helps young people from all backgrounds with their educational and other needs. And as you know, he served as the 17th secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development under the administration of Donald Trump. And he, for nearly 30 years, served as Director of Pediatric Neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. Dr. Carson, it's a delight and an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Don. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. I'm sure that your personal umbrage expressed in that tweet that I quoted resonated with millions of other Americans who, like you, took the hard road, personal responsibility, hard work, Talk more about the intrinsic unfairness of the Biden giveaway, whether it was affecting situations like yours or others. Why is this so unfair? Well, it's unfair because, you know, there's a understanding that if you take out a loan, you're going to pay it back. You're not going to expect somebody else to pay your loan back. If we could do that, all of us would probably take out millions of dollars of loans all the time so somebody else is going to pay it back. But the whole system breaks down when you start doing things like that. And and we have an administration that wants to redefine fairness uh, like they redefine everything else. And it's really the same kind of mentality that says it's not really unfair that we let everybody come in across our southern border. It's not really unfair to all those people who waited years and did everything the right way. They should just be happy that they're here. That's how they do things. And, you know, it disturbs a certain peace and order uh, of a system where you can expect certain things when you do certain things. Now we can't expect certain things. It's at the whim of whoever is calling the shots. That's the precursor of a dictatorship. We'll get back to that in a moment because you've used some specific analogies. But I want to get to your thoughts as well because you've worked with young people. You've already described your own upbringing and how you had to work hard against certain odds. What do we do to young people when we make the road too easy for them? What do we do long term in terms of affecting their own initiative and their own sense of responsibility and their own development? Well, you know, anybody who has children know that if you don't, teach them personal responsibility, they become very spoiled. They have expectations and feel entitled 
And uh, we're creating a whole generation of people who feel entitled. And if you don't give them what they expect, you know, they pout. You know, they have to go to their safe space. Uh, they create havoc. They want to cancel you. Uh, all of these things are antithetical to the Judeo-Christian principles of love your neighbor and be fair to people around you. On that last quote of loving our neighbor, as you know, those on the other side of the aisle, so to speak, politically and even in terms of faith, try to use those scriptures that are historic to the Christian faith, for example, of loving your neighbor as you love yourself helping those in need, and they say, well, that's real Christianity in action, is if we just let the government take care of all these people. And as a result, I've argued for a long time, Doctor, that we have disenfranchised the faith community largely by taking responsibility out of the hands of the faith community and putting it in the hands of really non-emotional, if you will, cold government. Is that a fair assessment or not? No, no question that's a fair assessment. You know, before we had all these giant government programs, it was the faith community that largely took care of the indigent population. And quite frankly, they did a much better job because they would develop relationships with people. Government doesn't develop relationships. And it's those relationships that help people climb out of the situation of hopelessness because they want to show the people uh, that, yes, your investment is good. But if it's just a government check, that doesn't have the same effect at all. Talk for a moment here before this first break about your own experience a little more in depth. I just mentioned it briefly in quoting your recent tweet that you grew up under situations that were difficult and challenging. Can you flesh that out a little bit for us to encourage others? Well, well we were very poor. You know, I, I went to school mostly in scholarships, but, you know, I did on my senior year at Yale. Uh, about $1,150, something called tuition postponement option. And uh, with this particular program, you paid money back, not according to how much you borrow, but according to how much money you make. And, of course, as a neurosurgeon, I was making quite a lot of money, so I paid that $1,150 back at least 10 times, probably 20 times. <laughs> and I, I kind of thought that was unfair, to be honest with you. But uh, when I was elected to the Yale Corporation, that's the Board of Trustees, that was my first mission to get that program dropped because I said, your alumni aren't going to want to give you any money if they feel like you're fleecing them. So we were able to get rid of that program. But, you know, it, it is important to stand up and to articulate, you know, solutions, not just to complain. Always come up with a solution that's actually fair and that works. And I believe you share or you express perhaps the sentiments that a lot of others of us share. This is no idle comment, I'm sure, on your part or the rest of us as well, that we really are in danger of moving into a totalitarian state, much like that of Mao, as you mentioned, or Castro in Cuba. We're just perhaps a hair's breadth away from that kind of government, especially with what we're seeing right now. Would you agree? Uh, there's no question about it. And, you know, when Marxists come in, what do they always do? They identify a group as the enemy, mm. you know, like the MAGA Trump people. You know, somebody who is causing your problems, who's causing all the problems in the society. And then you begin to make life difficult for those people. And then you begin to actually persecute those people. And what has happened in these Marxist government? 
millions of people have been slaughtered. And you wonder how that happens. It always starts this way. And, you know, we must vigorously resist this. We, the American people, are not each other's enemies. The enemies are those who are making every attempt to drive us apart. Dr. Carson, you also noted that contrary to what Mr. Biden and his press secretary keep on trying to tell us, that inflation really isn't in existence, it is in fact, and in fact you say it's at a 40-year high already. Talk about how this is going to impact that further and not in a good way, this student forgiveness. Well, you're putting more money into the system and you're not increasing the goods and services. So by definition, you're going to increase inflation. And, you know, I can understand why they want to deny inflation because it basically has caused it all, you know, starting with canceling the Keystone Pipeline, making it more difficult to develop our natural resources. And I'm not a person who's against green renewable energy by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's a desirable goal. But wise people would take what they have to get what they want. They wouldn't destroy what they have, create an even Mm. bigger hole, and make it take even longer to get what you want. That doesn't make any sense. And the only reason they do it is because, you know, the the previous administration uh, was doing it, and they say, well, they did it, therefore I don't want it. Isn't that sort of like a three-year-old rather than (laughs) actually? (laughs) It's kind of crazy. And then that, of course, leads to, you know, increasing in the price of diesel fuel, transportation, And the whole cycle just revs up. I'm sure you're aware. Others of us are as well. According to published reports, this one happens to be from the Business Insider. House Republicans are demanding that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi stand up to President Joe Biden about his order to cancel $20,000 in student loan debt after she argued over a year ago that the president does not have the authority to implement student loan forgiveness without Congress's approval. The letter's been signed by 94 Republicans Can we hope that perhaps Congress will do the right thing in this case and block his effort in that regard, or is that just whistling past the graveyard at this point? Is this a fait accompli? Well, we can always hope that some of the people in the political arena will get a sense of right and wrong rather than just political expediency. And, uh, you know, this is America, and we are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be leaders and we're supposed to have some values. So will that manifest itself? Let's hope and pray that it does. Because if it doesn't, if this doesn't kill us, something else is going to down the road. This is a frightening time for millions of Americans. I would say any thinking American has to be deeply concerned about what's been happening recently to a former president. You've commented on it. You said, never in my lifetime did I think that I would see an American law enforcement agency be run and weaponized like the FBI. This is a frightening development in our modern political arena. This is the way of Mao and Castro not Washington and Lincoln. And, of course, you're referring to the still ongoing invasion of the privacy of a former president, Donald Trump, at Mar-a-Lago. Give us more of your own thoughts in that regard and why this ought to be frightening to every American. Well, well, first of all, you know, almost every uh, president or politician, when they leave office, you know, they take things with them, uh, things that they can remember things that they may use to write a book, uh, things that may go into, if you're president, a presidential library. Uh, So this is not the first president that's done that. (laughs) They they all do it. Um, 
but this is the first time that the FBI has been weaponized in order to punish them. I mean, you could have thought of lots of different ways to get the materials that you're seeking. And there's no sense that the president, President Trump was not going to give them whatever they asked for. Uh, but there's differences of opinion of what that should be. And if they said that's not good enough, there's some other things that we know are in there and we want those too. Uh, I think he probably would have given them to them. But here's the real problem. The problem is not so much that maybe he had some material uh, that he shouldn't have had. The problem is, is that addressed in a way different than it has been for other people? Yeah. What about Hillary? How about all the stuff she had on the computer? What about the 33,000 emails that she erased? What about the hard drive that was asset, asset washed and the cell phones that were smashed? Why was that not a problem? I mean, <laughs> that is blatantly a problem. And, you know, why is Hunter Biden's issues being swept under the rug? So the, the real issue is, are we going to have a system where there is liberty and justice for all or a system where there's liberty and justice for the favorite class? And if when you come to that second group, then we are in the place of Mao and Castro. You also quoted in a piece at Daily Wire, our republic is one where we have the freedom to think, say, and believe what we want without fear of government intimidation. That includes the president. If we lose those basic freedoms, we lose it all. I'm praying for our country right now because I'm not sure anything else can fix what's transgressing. Pray for our country this evening. This was when we learned this, of course, at first about Mar-a-Lago. It can and will be saved because we, the people, are waking up. Elaborate for a moment on that point that there's a danger of the deep malaise of hopelessness setting in. There's an animus toward Donald Trump first time around. For many, God forbid, he should ever enter the White House again. And yet his policies were some of the best, in my view, we've seen in recent years in this country. Well, they were they were great policies, but what you have to remember about Trump is he was an outsider, and he was vehemently against the swamp. I call it the cesspool because swamps have some good things in them. But uh, <laughs> you know, the, the the problem is that when somebody comes in and starts disturbing that swamp, both Republicans and Democrats don't like it because it's been that way for such a long period of time. And they must be stopped. They must be destroyed at all costs. And that's why you saw, you know, the Russia, 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 anything else, you know, the January 6th, anything that you can possibly put on him to destroy him and most importantly to prevent him from coming back. That's, and, you know, in a way they're, they're very similar to the jihadists. The jihadists believe that, if you don't believe the way they do, then anything goes. You can lie to them. You can hurt them. You can kill them. You know, they're infidels. They don't deserve anything. And, you know, a lot of these far-left liberals think that same way. You know, anybody who doesn't agree with them is a danger to society. And they're trying to start using that kind of language right now to demonize those who oppose them. 
two more questions having to do with some of your work current. One, uh, you have a program or a product called Little Patriots Curriculum. Tell us briefly what that's about. I understand it's free. Tell folks what it's about and how they can make use of it. It's uh, one of the programs of American Cornerstone Institute, uh, littlepatriotslearning.com. And it teaches its lessons about America, about our real history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But if you're objective and you look at our history, there's a lot more good than there is bad and ugly. But uh, many on the left want to take the bad and ugly and build our future on that rather than taking what's good and building our future on that and learning from the things of the past. And that's what we need to do if we're wise. And we have a new program we just added called Star Spangled Adventures. And we have cartoons, beautiful cartoons. We, we hired some of the best animators from Pixar and Disney and ABC Kids. They were non-woke people, by the way. <laughs> and they create these beautiful cartoon lessons. And uh, they have quizzes associated with them and uh, no kid will pass these things up and you can just go to the website uh, littlepatriotslearning.com see some uh, samples and because of our wonderful uh, donors and the books that we have the latest one is called uh, red white and blue our flag matters to me and you and the one before that why america matters and the proceeds of, of those books go right back into the program so that we can make sure that we maintain the free status of the program because we want it to be available to everybody. And people are signing, signing up in droves, thousands and thousands every week signing up. And it's great for homeschool, public, private, uh, parochial schools, all kinds of uh, learning. But we need to make sure that we give our young people the right basis because our history is what gives us our identity, and our identity is the basis of our beliefs. And if we destroy that, we make people like leaves blowing in the wind. LittlePatriotsLearning.com. That's the website, folks, LittlePatriotsLearning.com. Doctor, I know you have a new book out just recently published. It's called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. I must have you back. We must have you back to talk about that very soon. Would you do that? I would be delighted to do so. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time today. All right. You too. Dr. Ben Carson. And again, you can check two websites out, littlepatriotslearning.com, littlepatriotslearning.com, and americancornerstone.com, americancornerstone.com. That is the website for his institute that he founded, and he serves as chairman of it, American Cornerstone Institute. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.